Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, yeah. Welcome back to 20-ish pod. It is Zita. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Today is Monday. Today is Memorial Day. Shout out to all everybody that is celebrating Memorial Day inside, not outside at the beach or at a cookout. Um, And if you are at a cookout, I just hope that you are keeping it um, at least to a 10-person max. Let us all continue to be safe in the year of Corona. Um, And let us all continue to practice social distancing. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are in our series called Low Key Like Hella Good SF Review, where we are reviewing the hit TV show, Insecure, created by the lovely, beautiful, talented, amazing skin, Issa Rae. We are on episode six of the series, but we are reviewing episode six and episode seven of the actual show. I did not release um, a review last week because there was a lot going on. I, Y'all, I had recorded a whole episode. I did. And I got to the end and I realized my mic was off. Oh my God. It's 30 minutes of, of silence. And I, and that to me, you know, I re-recorded it, but then as I started thinking about it, episode six just seemed very, it just seemed kind of off. Like it just, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. It just felt like a filler. I felt like episode seven was a much better episode. Like to me, even though it focused on Molly and Andrew, it still felt part of the series. For some reason, I just felt like episode six was so misplaced. My friend Emily said that episode six reminded her, reminded her of an episode of Atlanta. Like it was just weird and it just felt awkward. And I don't really know why, because I got what they were trying to do. Episode six was supposed to be Issa's point of view post block party. And episode seven was supposed to be Molly's point of view point post block party. But for me, Issa's episode just kind of felt flat. Like it just fell, I don't know. It it felt first of all, it felt short. And then second of all, it just uh I it just didn't do it for me. So we I decided to combine both because I thought that that would be a more efficient way. And I could talk about the similarities in the two episodes. I could compare and contrast both both episodes, but then talk about um, topics that Insecure does or Insecure talks about or addresses so well in their, in their, um, in their show. So that's what we're doing today. It is hot. It is a Memorial Day. I cut off the fan and the AC. So I'm sweating here for y'all. I am, it is hot in here. I have the door closed just so the the AC or the fan won't pick up and you guys can hear me. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get through this because I'm going to start sweating in about 30 seconds. Um, and I have my bottle of water with me just so I don't pass out uh, during this during this episode. Uh, so, so yes. So let's get started. Let's get to it. Okay. So episode six and seven, as I, as I spoke about previously, we are post block party. 
uh, episode six kind of saw Issa and Issa's life after the block party. And then episode seven focused more so on Molly and Molly's life after the block party. Both parties have not spoken to each other. And so the overarching uh, question um, is who should reach out first? Who should reach out first? And I think Issa is trying to convince herself that she should not reach out. And so you see in Issa's episode, her talking to Mira Issa and Mira Issa is just like, you don't need to reach out. You always reach out. You didn't do anything wrong. Molly should be the one to reach out. And so Issa, you know, decides to not reach out to Molly, um, despite some imploring from her friends like Kelly um, and other people kind of checking in on her, like her brother and Nansford, uh, Issa decides that she is not going to be the one to reach out this time. And I kind of feel Issa with that because I have been in that situation where I always felt like I was the one to always reach out and try to like salvage the friendship and want to talk about it. One, because if if it's someone I love, if it's somebody that I care about, I hate feeling at odds with that person without having the chance to have an open discussion. And I'm the kind of person that I want to talk about it right then and there. Like it happens. Like, let's say we get into a fight. Oh, we pulling over. Oh, I'm calling you. And we're going to talk about this. Um, And I know some people are not like that, but I am very much like, I just like to get ahead of it. And I like for both parties to just say what they have to say. Let us either agree to disagree or let us come to a, 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 a place of understanding. And then we move on. And I think for me, when I felt that way in one of my friendships, I felt like I was always the one reaching out. It felt like I cared more about the relationship than that other person did. And it's weird, you know, it's weird because you never want to feel like you care more, much more about a friend than they care about you. You want to feel that reciprocity. Um, and I feel so I feel Issa in that sentiment. Like if she is, if it's true that she is the one that always reaches out. Okay, I just want I needed to make sure my mic was on because y'all, if it happened again, I was gonna be pissed. Okay. If she feels like, or if it is true that she is the one that always reaches out, she starts to believe or feel that she is the only one that really cares about making this relationship work. And she's the one that only cares about reconciliation. And so I feel Issa in that sentiment. I think I think Molly should reach out because I think Molly was the one that did, did team too much. I mean... You showed your tail at the block party. You should be the one. And even if you, okay, here's my thing. This is, this is, and this is where I feel that emotional intelligence and um, uh, nuance is a beautiful thing. Because if I was Molly, even if I felt like the reason why I confronted Issa was justified, right? You stood me up at Thanksgiving. I needed you there as a friend before the block party thing. You didn't, you weren't there for me. You didn't show up for me. You never wanted, you never addressed with me the the whole Thanksgiving thing. And then the next time I hear from you, you're asking me for, for a favor. 
even if I felt like everything or all of this pent up emotion was justified, if nothing else, I would have called and apologized because the way I went about it was wrong, right? Because you can still call Issa up and apologize for how you handled it, but not apologize for the emotion and the and 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 the feelings behind it, right? And that requires a level of nuance, that requires a level of um introspection. <laughs> that I don't think Molly possesses in her relationship with Issa. Um, and that also requires a level of accountability because it equ- it requires you to admit where you are wrong and then, but also understand that you may have been wrong about some things, but you're not wrong about everything. And so it, it, it kind of is a lesson in how to argue effectively and how to have healthy uh a a healthy confrontation with, you know, a a person in a relationship. But I, I, I think Molly should have reached out. Molly is the one that tried to turn up on her at her own event. Um, and so Molly should be the one, in my opinion, to reach out to Issa. Um, so that's my, my, my thought on the overarching question is who should reach out first, but we see in episode six and seven, both parties are kind of living life without the other. And the one thing I love about the episode episodes are that we see uh, in a situation where both parties uh, try to use their lives as a distraction, and then both parties ultimately end end up needing the other person. So let's talk about that. Usually, I do like friendship moment, relationship moment, comedic relief, fashion moment, all of that. I usually do that in in my reviews, but I feel like these this episode was a little different. So I'm going to try to do I'm going to try to compare and contrast the episodes or talk about the similarities um and talk about the other issues or other points in 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 um in both episodes. So the place where I felt like the two both both ladies kind of tried to use distractions to keep them from discussing or talking about or thinking about um, each other. Okay, so at the end of episode six, which is, oh, this was beautiful. And I love the way they did this. So at the end of episode six, Issa goes to the Ethiopian restaurant after getting high. And she's like, I'm hungry. I'm about to go to this Ethiopian spot. Apparently, this must be like a very popular Ethiopian restaurant. And so she pulls up and she sees Molly at the at the at the um counter. And Issa kind of thinks like maybe I should just go in there. Let's just go ahead and have this conversation. And then she says she decides better not, she doesn't want to do it. And she gets back in her car and she drives off. So at the beginning of episode seven, what we did not know after episode six is that Molly actually saw Issa coming out of her, getting out of her car. And she pretended as if she was like on her phone and she didn't see her. And then she saw Issa leave, which infuriated Molly uh, in the next scene. First of all, (laughs) we have all been guilty of the, I see the person before they see me, but I'm going to act like I don't see them. Okay. We have all been guilty of that. I, Man, I'm the queen of that. Because I'm tall, y'all don't, for those of you who do not know me, I'm tall. So anytime I'm in a bar or 
you know, in a party or something like that or somewhere, um, I typically see, I can see over people's heads. (laughs) So I can see who's coming in and out. Um, and for me, I can, I, I've done that so many times and I'm the queen of like, I'm gonna act like I don't see you, but I actually saw you. I'm the queen of that. Uh, but that was, that was a very realistic moment and insecure, but you know, Molly does that. And so she sees Issa leave and she feels away and she's very upset. And so, um, we see, uh, we see similarities though, because in in Molly's case, and Molly is using her relationship with Andrew as a distraction. So Molly and um, Andrew go on a vacation to Mexico, and I'm like, "Come on, HBO, come on. give the girls coins, okay? Give the girls the budget to be able to film in Mexico, all right? Secure the bag, Issa. Secure the bag. We see budget." in this episode, in, in, in episode seven. So I feel like Molly is using Andrew's, um, the, her relationship with Andrew as a distraction to, um, her issues with Issa. And I feel like Issa in her episode was using, um, uh, her attempt to try to make new friends, um, as a distraction from dealing with her problems with Molly. So we see both of them using their own external situations and relationships to try to distract them from something that really is bothering them and really is important to them because neither one of them wants to reach out first. Um, And the other thing we see throughout the episode is um, both are trying to prove to themselves that they are not who each other said they were at the block party. So in Issa's case, Molly says specifically that Issa is a user. She always needs something from someone. She always is looking for a handout. And um, in Molly's case, Issa is talking about how, you know, her life is effed up. She always has something going on. She loves the drama. She lives for it. She can't She can't ever just relax and be cool. So we see in both of the girls, the ladies episode, they are both trying to prove that they are not who the other person says they are. So in Issa's case, Issa goes on this Good Samaritan tour where she tries to do all of these good deeds to prove that she doesn't use people and she doesn't need a handout. So she tries to like pay for the pregnant ladies, uh, groceries and that does not go well. (laughs) And then she takes the old man who missed the bus in her episode to, you know, on this, basically he just has her going all of these different places to try to prove that she, you know, is a good person and she doesn't use people. And then in Molly's scenario, Molly is trying very hard to make it work with Andrew. Because Issa, you know, has kind of planted a seed in her mind and kind of said, well, you don't, you know, don't ruin this because you always ruin every relationship you're in. So she's trying extra hard to appease Andrew and make it work. Um, And we see that kind of come to a head because 
you know, she's she's trying to be like easygoing and fun Molly and everything is cool and and I, you know, I'm fine and everything is okay. But first of all, you're snapping at your secretary. And second of all, you know, you are pretending as if um you're, you know, you're pretending as if things don't bother you that do, because you don't want to appear to Andrew as if you just like confrontation and you like to argue. Um, and we see that in Molly's uh, argument with Andrew's brother, which we are going to get into because in the age of Corona, I don't know. If, listen, I don't know if when they write these shows, if they have the ability to like pull an episode and say like, Hey, like, you know, we're going to, we're going to insert a new scene that is, you know, a hot topic in this, you know, right now. I don't know. I, I highly doubt it because it would just require way too much work for them to like shoot a brand new scene and then edit it into an already created episode just so they can stay on trend. But the conversation that Molly and Andrew's family had in the pool about Black people and, Asian, and Asians in the age of Corona. That conversation was spot on. Um, and so what, we're going to get to that later. But what we see is that the ladies are trying to prove to themselves that they are not who the other person says they are. And um, and so those were the two similarities that I saw. And then the last one, the last similar thing that I saw was Issa and Molly both, both in their own individual episodes experienced a moment where they could have need they needed each other. And Issa, when Issa realized that the friends that she made at the pain and sip, shout out to Kyla Pratt. Um and shout out to DC and Prince George's County. Um, but the people that she met at the pain and sip that she went to were just playing a scavenger hunt and they really weren't trying to make be friends with her. And they left her with the tip, they left her with the check at the Japanese restaurant they went to after the pain and sip, uh, they dined and dash. You know, you see, Issa really should have, could have used a friend in that moment. And then, in in regards to Molly's episode, when she was um, after her argument with Andrew's family and Andrew, um, we see her call her therapist to schedule an appointment, but also her her need to. Her, she 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 clearly needed a friend, and Issa would have been a great person for her in that moment, and so and vice versa. So we see them both kind of struggling with letting, or both kind of struggling with going through life without each other. And I talked about this on my oh on one of my episodes. I can't remember, but I talked about how like when you get in your thirties uh, or your late twenties the people that you have chosen to be in your life, you know, you you guys have kind of made an unspoken pact that you guys are going to do life together and they become your life, your journeymen, right? They become your people and having to deal with the idea of not, of them not being in your life is difficult. It's hard uh, because, you know, you're not, in, you're not in your early twenties. It's hard to make friends after post-college and um, you know, after you get a certain age, it's difficult. 
because a lot of people have their circles cemented. A lot of people have their friend group cemented. Um, unless you know, you know, like you get married or you move to another city or something like that, barring any life changing events, you pretty much have your friends. Uh, and it's hard to make friends after that. So we see both of them struggle with the idea of the other person not being in their life. Let's talk about so those were the similarities that I saw. Um, Issa's episode was just weird. I one thing that I did love about Issa's episode, and I said this in my last podcast that was not recorded. I love the moment that she had with um her mom. And I don't know, I just thought about this, guys. I don't know if this is like a thing. So in Issa's, okay, so Issa's mom was Wendy Raquel from the Steve Harvey show. Kyla Pratt was also in that episode. And now Kim Fields, shout out to Kim Fields, was a uh, made a cameo in Molly's episode in episode seven. I, I need to go back in and see, but I think there's a theme that they are allowing you know, black actors and actresses from the 90s and the early 2000s to appear and make cameos in their episodes. But I want to make sure that that's true. I think that's true, but I can't remember any other cameos that stand out to me. The Thanksgiving episode was one. Um, that was one. And, but I, I can't I can't think of any anyone else that just comes to mind. Let me know if you if you think of another '90s or 2000s child actor or black actor and actress that they have used in their episodes, which is I love I love that Insecure does that. It's just an ode to our childhood. It's an ode to you know when you were younger and you used to see all of these famous people. Um, it's an ode to them and Insecure wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for the Steve Harvey show and um, one-on-one and Kyla Pratt, like Kyla Pratt, like Proud Family, Penny, Penny from Proud Family. Uh, listen, Insecure wouldn't be. And I think Issa said that, I think on her uh, Instagram after her episode aired that she wouldn't be where she is without Kyla Pratt. And that was just, it's just beautiful to see all of, all of that. The one moment that I did really enjoy was Issa's moment with her mom. And she was talking about how, you know, she just feels like she's just starting to come into her own, but she's still on the fence. So in, while she was hanging out with Kyla Pratt, and her friends from DC, Kyla Pratt's friends from DC, because Kyla Pratt is a, is a bachelor, bachelorette, and she's come to California for her bachelorette party, and her friends are with her, and so they're all talking about their girl, their friendship, and it's just like this beautiful like bonding moment. And they're talking about how long they've been friends, and then Issa, um, and they're talking they're talking to Issa like getting to know her and asking her like how long, you know, what do you do all of this stuff, and Issa decides to share with them that she throws where she curates cultural events and she calls herself a cultural curator. And that's the first time that Issa has kind of put a definition on what she did at the black block party. Cause I think she was very, she was struggling with that. Like, what is it that I do? I love doing this, but this is not a traditional career path. You know, this is not something that I went to school for. This is not something that in school they taught us this was possible um, this is really kind of what Issa did or what Issa is doing 
it's really kind of a um, a consequence of social media, right? It's a side effect of social media. You had people who threw parties and all of that before, but you know, in the age of social media, in the age of you know culture and and capturing black culture specifically. Um, there is a market for that. There is a space for that. You see, you see that in content creators um, who, you know, either create artwork or create YouTube videos or create um, a podcast. You know, there is a space for the curation of Black culture because let's be honest, Black culture is is that is pop culture. It is what's popular, um, and Black people control the cool. Like we dictate what is cool and what is not. And so when Issa put a title on what she did, I think for her, that may have been an awakening for her that may have given her the content, the confidence to say like, hey, no, this is what I do. Um, And then we see her having a conversation with her mom. And it's that it's that same old conversation that I think a lot of us, especially a lot of us in our late 20s, like myself, we we had and said like, oh, at 30, I thought I was going to be here and I'm not, right? At 30, I thought I was going to have the job. I thought I was going to have the partner. I thought I was going to have the, 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 I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be single. I thought I was going to be married. Y'all, I thought I was going to be married. What did I tell myself when I was like in my night, in my teens? I thought I was going to be married at 24. I didn't even know who I was at 24. Like imagine being married with a child. In my like me imagining myself being married with a child in my early to mid thirties, I mean twenties, gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, I I don't even know why I thought that that was like a. But for me, that twenty six was so old, right? Twenty six, I was supposed to have it, and I don't know who or why we we believe the Kool Aid or we drank the Kool Aid that said that you had to have everything figured out by thirty. Um, but that's that's what we've kind of subscribed to. And Issa, in her conversation with her mom, is struggling with not having it together together at 30. And her mom does a beautiful res- like has a beautiful response, basically saying, like, 30 is not the magic number, sweetie. Like, it's not, it, it's not like 30 is who who told us that 30 was the magic number? Who told us that 30 was the was the cutoff, that you could not do anything? You had to be exactly where you were supposed to be at 30 or you were a failure, right? Um, and so I think East, that moment between Issa and her mom was just a beautiful thing because I, and I said I was going to do, I said I was going to do a podcast on this. Mother-daughter relationships can get very complicated. And there are uh, a lot that stems from or can be, you know, or comes from a very complicated mother-daughter relationship. You know, I I have a lot of friends um, that have a very complicated relationship with their mom. And it's so weird because at my age, I know my mom is my mom, but I also feel like my mom is my friend. Does that feel that way? Like, does anybody else feel like that? Like, my mom calls me. My dad doesn't listen. My mom calls me and complains about my dad. <laughs> my mom 
going to be calling me complaining about my dad. But he's still my dad, you know? Like, it's so weird because she calls me sometimes as if I'm her, I'm her homegirl. And I feel like I am sometimes. But then at the same time, I do feel like her daughter. So we're in this like, but it's a good space to be. Like, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. But mother-daughter relationships can be very complex. So it was beautiful to kind of see the mother-daughter relationship between Issa and her mom and how her mom just kind of affirmed her and spoke life into her and kind of said, girl, you are doing it. You know, it doesn't matter that you're not where you think you should be. You're, you're, it's a journey. It's a process. There is no destination. The goal, like, I always feel like purpose is never, it's, there's never a destination for purpose because once you get to where you quote unquote think you're supposed to be, I feel like God just moves the goalpost, right? He's just like, okay, you made it here. All right, boom. Now I need you to get over here, right? Because this is where your next purpose. Like purpose is not one thing. Purpose is, it changes through every year, through every phase of life, through every um, move. Like it change your purpose in life changes so much and it doesn't just end at 30, right? So I love that moment between Issa and her mom. Um, and, and also, you know, my friend Emily said that it was very Atlanta-ish. And I, and I and I get that. Because if you've ever watched Atlanta, the scene with the grandpa and Issa, that was such an Atlanta thing. Like that was such, like it was so random. It was just so like, what is happening? It was very Atlanta-ish. Um, that's how. That's the only way I can describe it. It was funny. It was hilarious. But it was very Atlanta-ish. It was very random. Um, so, so yeah. So that that's really all I had for Issa's episode. Um, Molly and Andrew are in Mexico. They're on their vacation. Sis, you know, sis is a girlfriend. Sis has made it. She done made it to the vacation phase of her relationship. Uh, and, you know, in the episode, we kind of see Molly being easygoing. She's being adventurous. She's being, you know, sexual and sensual and, 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 you know, she's doing all of the things that I think, uh, we as women try to do in the beginning of relationships because we want, you know, we just want to pull him in. We want him to fall in love with us so then we can start acting like our real self. <laughs> I'm just trying to reel him in so then when I start telling, showing him who I really am, <laughs> he's in too deep. He can't He can't leave. There's no way he can leave now. <laughs> um, but no, but... Uh, <laughs> Molly is being that. Molly is being cute. And first of all, her outfits. Listen, I said it before. I will say it again. Whoever is styling Molly in this season, Issa, you got to give this good sis a raise. The pink. Oh my gosh. Like y'all, I was, I was like, so I, it, <sighs> There were just so many moments, so many fashion moments. Like, uh, first of all, the white, the uh, the the white pantsuit that she had on, the pink 
with the back out. Oh my God. Like I was like the pink with the pink with the back out dress. Perfection. Like that's all I could like I I was gagging over Molly's fits in Mexico. Um sorry, I just had to get that out. Sis, whoever whoever was styling you, I gotta find this lady so I can shout her out. Um like whoever styles Molly, whoever is whatever crew they have, they have not missed with Molly this season. Um so one of the things that in Molly's episode, um Insecure decides to tackle, which is 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 the fact that Molly and Andrew are interracial, and Andrew's Asian, Molly is black, and the way they tackled it was Molly gets to meet Andrew's family. Well, part of Andrew's family, he gets to meet her, uh, his siblings, which is so true. Why we why we do that? (laughs) The girlfriend and the boyfriend will, will meet the brothers and sisters far before they meet the parents. The brothers and sisters will know, have met, you know, have, 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 it's like, it's like meeting the siblings is like the appetizer. Like you got to prime them. You got to get them ready. I I would do the same thing. My sisters and my brothers are definitely going to meet my person far before my parents even know who this person is. Um, So Molly gets to meet uh, Andrew's brother. And Andrew has kind of, you can tell that Andrew's a little reluctant. You know, you can tell that Andrew is kind of nervous. And I don't know, he said, I think this is his older brother. And and I don't know if Andrew uh, just knows that, you know, his brother can be a little bit too much. Or if, you know, Andrew knows his brother's opinions about Black people. Um, I don't really know what was the source of his trepidation. But you can tell in the episode, you can sense that there's a little bit of reluctancy in Andrew meeting, in Molly meeting Andrew's brother. And there's a little bit of hesitation. So while they're on that, but but I will say in the very beginning, Andrew does a good job of uh, backing up Molly when she wants to do something. So Andrew's brother has planned all of this stuff for them to do. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves. You know, I'm not going to hold y'all on this tangent, but when I go on vacation, the point of vacation is to get away from the busyness of my everyday life. I don't want to feel like I'm at work on a vacation. You're not about, to, listen, I know, and I know that there are some people who love this right? They want to go on vacation and they want to use every single hour to do something, some activity. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go eat at this restaurant. We're going to be like, no, I don't like vacations like that. I need, listen, my life is already very stressful and I have paid $1,500 to be here. If I wanted to be stressed out, I could have stayed at home. Okay. Because (laughs) My life is already stressful. You're not about to jam pack my vacation with endless, endless activities and like adventures and excursions. No, that's not it. And so I feel Molly, like Molly's just like, girl, I like Andrew, can we just when we get I'm exhausted, can we just like relax and chill as soon as we get there? Let's just take it easy. Let's not do anything crazy. And at first, Andrew's like hesitant, like, oh, like, 
uh, I don't know how he's going to feel about this, whatever, whatever. But then they end up actually, um, they end up actually kind of spending the night in and having a very, uh, very, very um, spicy, I would say, spicy um, scene. Can't My mother listens to this, so I can't talk about these kind of things here. But, you know, Andrew, Andrew brought some, some presents with him on vacation. <laughs> And you brought some gifts. Uh, Molly did not, which kind of shows you where where they are. Uh, so, <laughs> Andrew brought some gifts, uh, and you know, they they partook in the gift. Okay, I'm I'm about to move on because it's getting awkward. They partook. I'm gonna leave it at that. Um, but uh, Andrew does a good job of just like not forcing it. Like your girl is tired, he let his girl rest. Um, so the next day they go on this like hike in the morning with his brother and then they go to the pool. And this is where we see the conversation that I feel like is needed in every single person who engages in an interracial relationship. How did you guys feel about Andrew's wife commenting on uh, Molly's appearance all the time? Like saying like, oh, you're so beautiful. Was she just really trying to be nice? Or is that is that coded language? I don't know. Now I, I I was thinking about that, and I was just like, is this coded language? Is this like feeding into a stereotype that I don't know about? But um, Andrew's wife just kept on complimenting her on her look and like, oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're this. You're that. And I, I I couldn't tell if she was trying to be nice or she or if the writers were trying to cue us in into a a stereotype or a narrative that of black women that Asian women have. Cause I don't know. I don't know if there is one. Um, so I, 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 I didn't want to read too much into it, but, um, but in the pool, so Molly, uh, so Andrew's brother's wife gets water in his, her eye and then Molly goes to the cabana to try to get a, a towel. And the lady at the cabana says that she needs a key card to show that she actually is a patron at the hotel and we don't know if she asked the white couple. We just see her giving the towel to the white couple. And so Molly, you know, feels like she is, you know, doing that because Molly's black and the white couple did not. She didn't she didn't have that same energy. So then Andrew's brother comes, he shows the key card, Molly gets the towel. They go back into the pool and Molly's about Molly's very upset. She's visibly upset. And, and 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 so she's trying to tell Andrew about what happened. And then we have the race conversation. And um, you know, we can you automatically see kind of Andrew's brother kind of talk about how he feels about race issues and you know, what's the big deal? I it seems to me he's one of those, why does everything have to be about race? Uh, he's one of those people. And Molly is just kind of like, you know, standing up for herself. And we hear, we 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 see now a conversation that I think is very, very on point with where we are, especially in light of the coronavirus and the issues and the tension between the Asian community and uh, the Black community in this country. And um, they have that conversation. And I remember um, I remember that conversation also being highlighted in Get Out when the you had all of the white people auctioning, all, all the white 
white auctioneers. And then you had the one Asian guy too, that was also a part of the community. And, you know, there's, there's always been this kind of prevalent thought that Asian Americans, while they are considered people of color, uh, they consider themselves to be uh, a lot better than actual Black people or Hispanic people, and they put themselves on that higher pedestal. And their aspirations, some people, you know, there's this thought, this prevailing thought, that their aspirations are are closer to whiteness than identifying with their minority community. Um, And we saw that with the coronavirus and how Black people were treated in China because there was this misconception that Black people were the carriers of corona and they were doing to Black people and Black people in in the Asian countries what what other people were doing to them in America, right? Um, And so we have this like we have this conversation, we have this tension between these two minority communities. And I think that it's it's very necessary if you are in a, in a rela- interracial relationship to talk about race. Like it's, it's, it, it's, it is imperative in my opinion, because that conversation is going to be necessary because you need to know where that person stands on race. And if you're okay with wherever that person's stance is, and we kind of see Andrew stick up for Molly in a, to a certain extent, but then we also see him kind of, you know, go to his, you know, take his brother's side when Molly makes the remark that you only benefit from being a minority or you only discuss or you only talk about minority issues when it benefits you. And, um, and so you kind of see Andrew like, whoa. And then that kind of just spoils the rest of the trip for them. They don't address it anymore. Andrew claims he talked to his brother, but Andrew never said, like, I told him he was wrong. Andrew's brother never apologized to Molly. That didn't happen at all. Um, and, And I really do believe that he should have because you never want to tell somebody or you never want to tell somebody that their experience or how they feel is invalidated, especially when it comes to race. Because Andrew's brother will never know how it feels to be a black woman, and Molly will never know how it feels to be an Asian man. And so he can't quote unquote play devil's ad. I hate that. Like, I cannot stand when people just, like, I cannot stand people who are just contrarian just because. They have no reason to be. They just want to be contrarians because it's cool. Or you just, like, if everybody's going right or if everybody's saying what's right, you just want to go left just because you want to go left. Not because you really agree with the left. You just want to do it. Why? Like, why you, why people got to be like that? Um, So I I don't like contrarians who just want to be that for the sake of being it. Um, And so... You know, I definitely think Andrew's brother owed her an apology. Um, And that could have been a teachable moment. That could have been a moment where Molly kind of educated him on how she felt and why she felt the way she felt. And then maybe Andrew's brother could have educated her on what she said and how that may have offended him and hurt him. It could have been a, a much better teachable moment that was not so because 
you know, I think Andrew just tried to be a peacemaker because he's like, this is my brother. But then Molly is like, but this is my girl. You know, I don't know how that's going to work out because if the brother feels like that, let me tell y'all something right now. <laughs> if the brother thinks that, I can double dog dare you that Andrew's parents are probably 10 times worse. And I don't know if that's something that, listen, I have dealt with this personally. Immigrant parents, they're different. They're difficult. And getting them to accept or getting them to overcome their sometimes racist, prejudiced, stereotypical views is tough. And sometimes it requires you to be alienated from your family. And that is a hard thing to do for someone you just started dating three months ago, right? Um, so I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm hoping we see more of that in the new seasons to come because I think that is a very real, very real uh, struggle for a lot of first generation kids who live in America. Um, and I, and I personally, I, I personally went through or experienced that, um, they leave Mexico, they leave Mexico. And when they're coming back from Mexico, they run into Lawrence at the airport. And like I told y'all in the last episode, Lawrence was not at the block party. Lawrence apparently has been in San Francisco this entire time. I don't know if he got a new promotion or he's moving or whatever, but, um, we see him pick up the phone. So Molly runs into Lawrence. It's awkward. Um, and um, Lawrence picks up the phone as he's heading out the door and he calls somebody. It's not clear who, but y'all, I read the, I saw the previous. It's Issa. Um, <laughs> and he calls up Issa and he's just like, hey, can we go and talk? So that, and that's pretty much how the episode ends. So, that's, you know, that's kind of where we are with Insecure. And we only have, so episode eight is next Sunday. We only have three episodes left. So we are coming up on the end of Insecure. Um, and I hope, you know, I, I feel like I covered everything. We're going on an hour now. Um, and I, I, I'm sweating. But I really do, I want to hear from y'all. Who do y'all think should reach out first? I think Molly should. Um, and was Andrew, did you agree with the way Andrew handled that, you know, the situation between Molly and his, and his brother? I, I think Andrew could have done more in making that a more so teachable moment, or at least having that difficult conversation because Molly's not going to stop being black and Andrew's not going to stop being Asian. Y'all, they're going to have to have that conversation. Um, and, and, and. One thing that was kind of funny was like when Molly was standing there and Andrew and uh, his brother started talking. I think they're Chinese. I'm not sure. Um, but I think it was either Chinese. It could have been Vietnamese. I don't know. Uh, but they started talking into their in their native language. And Molly was like, I'm standing right here and I speak English. Like clearly there needs to be a conversation about cultural issues and cultural problems and race issues and race problems with Andrew and Molly that are not going to get resolved overnight. Um, and so it's especially now it's that, that, that scene felt so appropriate, especially now that we're in Corona 
and that has been a hot button topic, is the relationship between Asian Americans and Black Americans. Um, uh, it's it's really been like I, I really enjoyed that, and I and I was thankful that that happened. I, I'm sure Insecure didn't know that that was going to we we're gonna we were gonna be in the middle of a pandemic when when that scene aired. So I thought that that was very on that was very on par. Fashion moments, y'all. We already went. We went through them. The pink, the 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 pink uh, dress with the back out. That was my favorite. The white suit, favorite. Um, and I think, oh, and her, the two piece when she was calling her therapist. Molly hasn't been going to her therapist. Like, what's up with that, sis? Like, therapist has no no idea what's going on with Issa. So I thought that that was an issue too. Like, Molly, come on now. Um, I think that is it, comedic moments, other than the grandpa scene in Issa's episode. Oh, and when Molly was ziplining, she was like, I think I peed a little. Um, we realized that, oh, I before I forget this, the mental health thing, we all knew that that was Nansford's thing without him saying it. I mean, I guess we knew, I knew. Um, what kind of mental health though? Is that going to be something that they talk about in the next couple of episodes? Like, clearly, he's, does Issa know? Like, these are all questions we have. Does Issa know that Nansford suffers, you know, from whatever mental health in the illness he has? Uh, that's a question that I had. And things were a little bit spicy, you know? Molly's Molly was getting a little spicy with Andrew. I do think the chemistry between Andrew and Molly has gotten a lot more believable. Because in the beginning, I didn't see it. In the beginning, I didn't see the chemistry. But I think now it's starting to look and feel like they really are together. So great job for the actor and actresses that play Yvonne, I mean, Molly (laughs) and Andrew in the scene. Because I'm starting to believe them now. Um, That is all. Y'all, that is all I have. We are not under 30 minutes. But we were reviewing two episodes, so I tried to touch all the good parts, the good points. Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for so much for liking and subscribing and reviewing. Review my review my pod on Apple Muse on Apple Podcasts. I don't think that Spotify you can leave reviews. So if you find it in the in in the depths of your heart to to post a review of my pod on Apple Podcast. That would mean the world to me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of the shares, the likes, the reposts, the engagement that I received. Thank you for all of my new listeners that are coming, that have now um, joined us. And uh, follow us on Instagram at 20ishpod. That's the number 2-W-E-N-T-Y underscore I-S-H-P-O-D. Don't forget to share this. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Let me know. I want to hear from you guys. What did you guys think of these two episodes? Um, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Love and light to you.